Welcome to Annaswick Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Viv Liebersight, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Good morning, family. How are you? Good to so see so many of you here today and we're out of the crazy holiday season, right? And we're into it. We've been into it for a wee while, but now we're really into it. Are you all with us? It's like time to get into some meat, time to get back into some learning and some teaching and training and uh, get back into what we really mean to be doing, which is following Jesus. Not that we have walked away from that. Hello, hopefully we haven't been. But um, we are carrying on as a church with the theme of following Jesus. And it's just so, um, God has impressed it on our heart that, man, we just need to follow Him even harder and dearer and deeper in these days. So um, last year, we, we looked at a whole lot of practices. If you were with us on that journey, if you're new to us, just a little wee um, update on the practices. So these are the practices that we have looked at last year. And not that we don't stop looking at these. These are just part of uh, part and parcel. So there they are. We've got um, Scripture, Solitude and Silence, Celebration, Fellowship, Community, Worship, Simplicity, Sabbath, Communion, Fasting and Feasting, Servanthood, Generosity, Prayer and Emotional Well-Being. We've looked at all of that. What a lot of work we did last year. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, I, the, the feedback that we've had from a lot of people it was just the year of absolute digging in and growing and getting closer to God like never before. So that's cool, hey? That's what it's about, right? We're on a journey from strength to strength, to glory to, from glory to glory. We're just, uh, God is just taking us all where we're at. That's all it's about. So whether you've been with, been walking with Him, then maybe you, you know this is a first time for you, first experience. Uh, maybe you've been walking with Him for a year or a day or a week or 10 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is. You know, like God just takes us where we're at and He leads us on to the next step. So it's a beautiful thing. So today, um, I get the privilege of, of sharing and launching the thoughts, some thoughts around the one of the ones that we haven't talked about, which is ministry. So this is my subject today and my thoughts and our chat around it is, um, is going to be, for me, it was quite full on. Last night at 12 o'clock, my, my message just disappeared. What am I doing awake at 12 o'clock? I mean, who does that? I mean, it's not like I'm up with a little baby. Oh, I could be because she is my granddaughter, just saying that. But um, hello, Zara. This is your first message that you're hearing. So yay. I hope your ears are open listening to it, girlfriend. Um, so... Um, Anyway, it was, it's been a challenging, challenging message, to be honest, in many different ways. And for me, ministry, what does it mean? I mean, we've focused on all of these things. But ministry, to be honest, is the great outworking. It's the great outworking of the, of the practices. It's not the calling of some, but the privilege of all followers of Jesus. It's not the calling of some. You've got to hear it. This is a privilege for all followers of Jesus. It is how we can serve 
one another in love. Galatians 5.13 talks about it. So what is ministry? What is it? Back in the day, back in the day, I can say back in the day because I've been around a few days, but back in the day, you know, back in the whatevers, the 60s and 70s, 80s, the word ministry was reserved mainly for the elite, Maybe, you know, people who are classes a little bit super extra spiritual, maybe. Maybe people who've been through Bible college, whatever that looked like. People were called to ministry and doing ministry in ways that always seem to be in front of the crowd. Like right now, I'm holding a microphone. That was always the kind of thing, oh yeah, you know, Viv is in ministry. She's doing ministry. She's preaching. Uh, or on a platform, um, singing, musicians. So we've had singers and musicians obviously doing and part of ministry, right? Do, would you agree? So back in the day, that's how we kind of saw it. And then there was an exception when on some special Sundays, we would watch a slideshow. <laughs> Slideshows of mission. I, I know I'm going back. Because, you know, I am 60, so, you know, I'm allowed to say that now. Um, it's official. So freaky. But it's okay. We, we were right. We're coping. Um, the, there was an exception. The slideshow was when we had missionaries. Now, missionaries are people definitely in ministry, right, who have sacrificed themselves and have gone to a foreign land, particularly maybe an unreached people group, and we would identify that when we were watching the slideshows, we oh, yes, they also are in ministry. Even for me, when I was growing up, when I got saved, radically saved, and God got hold of me, I felt this like, I've got to do something. I've got to do something for God. And, you know, it's like, and people are, oh, it's the call. It's the call. Yes, it's true. It is the call. And what would that look like? And immediately I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to end up having to, I don't know, do something like go and be a missionary or preach. Well, I did end up doing all these things and I am doing those things, but that's not the be all and all, and it isn't. In some ways, the idea of ministry was actually blown out of proportion because every follower of Christ, I'm talking to everyone in the room, you say that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, you're a follower of Him. Okay. No apologies for that. So here you go. You are a minister. <laughs> Newsflash, ministers. Hello, ministers of Lord Jesus Christ. Hello to each and every one of you. You are ministers. How refreshing is that? You can actually wake up in the, in the morning and go, hello, minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the gospel, of the good news. What a great way to start the day. What about it? It's amazing. Every follower of Jesus is called to the ministry and is in ministry because this is it. It's simply what we do for God. Okay, we know that Jesus has done, done, done everything for us and we've so beautifully, so beautifully celebrated what Jesus did for us today on the cross. Yeah, we don't have to do anything to be saved. But the Word says that we actually are to outwork our salvation. We're saved by grace for good works, for ministry. So ministry can be defined in many ways, but at its core, it is the act of serving others. There it is. 
You can smile back at me because I'm smiling at you, okay? Because I'm getting this feeling like, oh. This, I tell you what, this message, this is just the beginning. Because it's going to come with something at the end that's probably going to rip your heart apart because it ripped my heart apart. <sighs> okay. It can be working through in a church, working in a church, volunteering at a charity, or even just being a good friend. Ministry can be a way to give back to community and make a difference in someone's life. We are all called to minister, but in all kinds of different ways. Depending on your gifts, your life experiences, and your pain and heartache. Because God uses it all for the proclamation of His Word and for the saving of others. Ministry is from the Greek word diakoneo, meaning to serve. So it's true. In the New Testament, ministry is seen as service to God and to to others in His name. And Jesus Himself, because of course we are followers of Him, so we follow what He did, right? He provided the pattern for Christian ministry. He came not to serve, not to be served, (laughs) but to Serve. Serve. And it's a beautiful story that, um, that he, we read about in Matthew 20. And let's read it together. So a mother, a well-meaning mother. We want the best for our kids, right? We do. I love this mother. The mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, they were, came to Jesus with his sons and kneeling down asked a favour of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons, I always think, what about both of them, of my may sit at your right, I suppose she wasn't being greedy, at your right, oh no, and the other at your left. Yeah, okay, so it's both of them, in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. So then he's talking to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? They answered, we can Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. (laughs) They did not know what that meant right then. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to first to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then you read on in John about how he exemplified this by washing the disciples' feet. And he says this in verse, um, John 13, 14, not now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Just newsflash, we aren't going to have a feet washing ceremony today. We are not. That is very much a, um, a, a parable. Or, we can do washing of feet. We can. Absolutely, we can. We do that another time. We'll get the pamper out and the foot spas and all that. But basically, it's a selfless <laughs> Newsflash, being a follower of Jesus is a selfless, selfless life. And this is counterculture 
to the culture that we are in right now where it's all about me, I, my rights. Who am I? What I need. This is counterculture. We are counterculture right now. This message is counterculture. It truly is. But it's the Word, the Word of God. Jesus lived a selfless life. This is what our life is about. Selfless. So the true meaning of ministry is to serve others, is to help others in whatever way possible. And we're not going to break this open completely. That's more part two. Ministry is not just about preaching or teaching. Ministry is not about getting recognition or accolades, but about serving others. It is about being there for people when they need it. It is about being a friend to those who need one and being a voice of encouragement to those who need it. It can be about helping others find their purpose in life or it can be about bringing comfort to those who are hurting. It is about being a servant leader and helping others reach their full potential. I love that. This can include anything from preaching to washing windows. Every week, just put up your hand if you need your windows washed and I'll come around. Dave. I, I kid you not, I have a window washer in my car. A cleaning thing, not a person. Um, it's a gadget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cooking meals. Cooking meals, right. Cooking meals, baking, helping someone with their taxes. I just threw that in there because I don't know. Does anyone need help with their taxes? Being an advocate for someone, working in a homeless shelter, etc., etc., etc. There's so many ways. It's a way of serving others and doing what is best for them. Ministry is not a job. It is not a job. It is a calling, and this calling is given to every follower of Jesus. I want you to hear it loud and clear. It is not, ministry is not a ladder we climb up. It is not a vocation. Some of us do have it as a vocation, or part of us. So I am a pastor, but that is because of the God-given gifts on my life. And it's outworked in different ways. But holding a microphone isn't all that I do. There's many other ways, many other areas of ministry. Ministry, I'll say it again. It's about being a servant of God, working out of your gifts and your strengths and your passions, your life experiences, your pain, and it's an honour and a privilege to do it. Here's some characteristics. I just want to, I've got this up here so you can see it really loudly and clearly as I say it as well. The foundation of ministry is character, not a professional skill. The nature of ministry is service, not being served. I've said that. The motive for ministry is love, not money or power. The measure of ministry is sacrifice, not success. The authority of ministry is submission, not pulling rank. The purpose of ministry is to glorify God, not to glorify ourselves. God is the only one who should be glorified. The tools of ministry are prayer and scripture. The privilege of ministry is growth, which may be in depth rather than in numbers. The power of ministry is the Holy Spirit, not programs. The model for ministry is Jesus Christ Himself. He is our model. Yeah, honestly, He is amazing. He is the one we follow. The Bible teaches us that all believers are called to be ministers of Christ. And that every Christian has a unique role to play. But there is a ministry 
I'm looking right across the room. Everyone, I want to eyeball every one of you that you all have. We all have it. It's the same ministry. And this is regardless of your gifts. It's regardless of your experiences of life and your pain. None of us can go, ah, no, I don't want that ministry. This is for all of you, all of us, each and every one of us. We are all in this together. And it is an incredible ministry. And it's a ministry that was handed down to us when Jesus did what he did, died on the cross for us. It is the ministry of reconciliation. 100%. Reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19, but all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favour, brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favour with himself, not counting up and holding, holding against men their trespasses, but cancelling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration of favour. The ministry of reconciliation is on each one of you. You can't step out of it. You can't step away from it. Because you have received reconciliation. You have been reconciled. To reconcile is to bring together, harmonise, make friendly, reunite, settle differences between. A reconciliation is the end of a disagreement and the return to friendly relations. It has been said that to have reconciliation between parties requires a give and take on both sides. Would you agree? To have reconciliation... Give and take. I want to say that recon reconciliation, true reconciliation is only possible with a whole bunch of forgiveness. All over it, all around it, everywhere. I think of the amazing story of Joseph in Genesis 45, where he'd been betrayed. He'd been given up by his brothers to die, and then he was sold to the slaves, and they told his father that this is the beloved son, the favourite son, that he had died. And for years, the father grieved, the son. And then we know, we know the story. Joseph was, was taken, put into a place of authority in a long, long story, ended up being in a position of being able to save the brothers and the father. Just an incredible, beautiful story. And Joseph forgave his brothers. Beautiful story. It's just total love. There and love, forgiveness, covering over a multitude of sins. He could have like sent them back with nothing. He could have actually imprisoned them. He could have done, he had the power to destroy his brothers. He could have taken that moment, but he didn't. He loved them. And think of the father, Jacob. I mean, if it would have been me, I would have been furious that all these years I'd grieved the loss of my beloved son to find out that he was now alive. But Jacob, he was just overjoyed that his precious son was alive. There was reconciliation, but it was forgiveness at the root of it. They can only have been amazed by God's extraordinary rescue plan right there in that moment. So interested parties must see that there is something more important at stake 
than holding on to a position or an offence. And the relationship being re-established becomes a greater goal. So I'm talking about the ministry of reconciliation that goes, okay, we have this with us and God, which is your vertical. So we've been reconciled to him. Our sins have been taken. He paid the ransom for us and we are reconciled. We've become friends with him. It's beautiful, right? But the cross is not only vertical, it's horizontal. And so out here is us reaching out to one another. And so the ministry of reconciliation is, yes, twofold. Helping others by word and deed, by how we are, our attitudes. Helping others also respond to Jesus and find the saving grace. Yep. But it's also us giving reconciliation and being reconcilers in situations maybe that are hurtful. Yeah. To have a reconciled relationship with God requires the complete perfection and absolute purity of Jesus to be our substitution. He did the work for us. We know that. We are the recipients. We can be reconciled and he reconciled us to him. But because this is true, it is also true in us if we are a disciple of Christ. As reconcilers who are given the ministry of of reconciliation, we need to understand the power of the gospel that can do the impossible to reconcile others to God. When you find it impossible to forgive, to love, to reconcile and to restore, just remember what was done for you. I feel that there's some pain in the room. I feel that there's been hurt. There's been offence. And this is going to be hard to hear and to understand, but for each one of us, we've been gifted to be a reconciler because we have been reconciled. We all have a ministry for doing this, so we need to use this gift Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? So what do we do? What do we do for others? How can we be reconcilers? Here's kind of an example. I read this story. Just imagine, you're really thirsty. I'm thirsty right now, but I drink over there. It's all right, I, don't, I won't drink. In fact, you even think you'll die of thirst. Anyone been really, really thirsty? You're on a tramp, you're doing something, thirst. I mean, in this heat lately, it's like, wow, we are thirsty. It's a lot of thirst. As you journey along, you come to an old hand pump. There is a sealed bottle of water. And you're like, my goodness, water, water, water. Yay. But there's a note that says this. I know that you are thirsty, as you sojourn this travel trail. But if you will trust me, I'll give you all the water you can ever want and enough to carry with you as you continue your journey. Wow. It is important that you understand that what I'm doing for you must be done for others. Or else the blessing I give to you will cease for you and for others. If you trust me, you must not drink the water in the bottle. Imagine that. There's the water, but you 
you're reading this note, I cannot drink it. You must instead pour it into the old pump, for it requires that it must be given to the pump first to prime it. Do we like it? Then the water will come. After you have drunk deeply and fully of my water, remember to refill the bottle for the next thirsty person. Then they can be sustained as you have been. And on it will go. And it's signed, your friend. What a great friend. Similar to the story, when Jesus reconciled us to God, He invested His life into us. He primed the pump, so to speak. He became the living water to us to replenish, sustain and to bless us so that He would flow out of us. Therefore, His blessing must flow through us, just like the thirsty people who would follow the sojourner would need water to prime the pump. Likewise, we must reinvest Christ's living water in us, His reconciling, reconciling water into others, or else what He has done for us stagnates and does not bless them. Don't settle for a broken system of a life or a broken will that has only one concern, which is self. Self. We must be the primers for others to drink the living water. In a situation, any given situation, any given relationship bust up or whatever, someone has to lead out. Who is that someone going to be? There has to be someone in a group, in a squabble, in a tense situation, in an emotional battle who pauses, takes a deep breath and asks, what would Jesus do? WWJD, that old school, but what does he think about this? You know, take time to hear the heart. I know there's many times, sadly, I have not taken the time to listen. What does he want out of this? Well, we know what he wants. He wants reconciliation. Ouch. I can hear going, this is impossible, but you do not know my situation. Hello, God does. Nothing is too hard for him. It's a rare person who asks these questions. Instead, like myself, we often launch into a reaction. We get a reaction, reaction that hurts, damages, separates. We might even go and share that reaction with others and that hurt with others. And what we're doing is we're actually breaking the cross down. Did you get that? We share a broken message to other people. We often cause irreparable damage because we close our hearts the way Jesus would handle a situation. What a shame, but it can change. Are you ready to be a reconciler? Are you ready to change the cycle and be the one to take the high road? And offer forgiveness. Without wanting your rights sorted, without wanting everything ticked off and your story flipping well shared and your all of your reasons and justified and I'm justified. No, Jesus never justified himself. Sorry, getting a bit passionate. We can be reconciled because we have been reconciled. We've got to let that sink in. This society that we live in, 
doesn't need more Christians running around being all about me and my rights and what I want. It needs us to be the reconcilers. It takes humility. We can be reconcilers because we have been given this ministry. The special ability to reconcile people, first of all to Christ, but then to one another. Mm. To find this kind of life I speak of, to walk in this ministry of reconciliation, which is the most important and first ministry. We need to know what it is to seek our God for every situation. And then to do our best to do as He does, to reconcile with one another, no matter how hard it is. It's going to take humility, my friends. And you say, oh, what if it's not accepted? That's not your concern. You offer the gift of forgiveness. I'm going to finish with this beautiful story. It's all about Peter. It's how Jesus reinstates him. It's found in John 21. And Peter had denied Jesus three times. And this is the moment that after Jesus had died and he was resurrected and things were going beautiful all over again. Jesus reinstates him. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, which equaled the third time he denied him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Get over it, Peter. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said for the third time, feed my sheep. In my head it was feed my sheepies, but I know that's not right. Feed my sheep. Be the reconcilers. He was saying to Peter, I have reconciled myself to you. I have restored you back to myself. So now, Peter, I want you to be the reconciler, to feed my sheep. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how this is, how you and I can feed others. Maybe physically, because we want to really look at that. We really want to get back into food. We have a community who needs food, like physical food. That's a desperate need right now. And as a church community, we're really getting on board. So we're going to be outworking that. But there's other food. There's a spiritual food that people need. People need restoration in their hearts. People need a healing of brokenness. And you might be in this room right now and you are, and you are that. You need, you need to be reconciled. Someone has hurt you badly and you don't know how to bridge the gap. The first thing is to ask Jesus, what would He have you do? I can't tell you exactly how to, but the first thing is, Jesus, show me how I can be a minister of reconciliation to this person. You might not even want to. You might have some really serious, bad feelings about that person. So you need to start at grassroots and say, 
art. Show me this person, how you love this person. Because God loves everyone, no matter what they have done. That's big. So right now in this space, would you just shut your eyes and maybe bow your heads and I want you to reflect. Is there someone that you need to be a minister of reconciliation to? Do you need to be reconciled to Jesus? Starts with there, right? If you've walked away from Him, if the gap is massive, today is a good day to actually go, God, I wanna be reconciled back to you. I wanna be like Peter. I wanna be reinstated. In a flash, in a flash, Jesus goes, yep, come on, come on, come back. Come back, you are mine, I am yours. So Father, I thank You, Lord God, for the anointing in this room of reconciliation. I thank You, Lord, that You are our reconciler. God, there's nothing that we could do to get rid of our sin and our ugliness and our separation from You. You did it all. You bridged the gap. God, You are our reconciler. We're so grateful. And I pray for anyone in this room who in this moment senses that gap. I pray, God, for the resounding yes of their lives, that they would step in and say, Jesus, I need You, the reconciler. I need You. I need Your salvation. Lord, I pray for any in this room who are very, very feeling pain and hurt and offence. And maybe it was years ago. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would come. Your anointing of reconciliation would come upon each and every one and You would show them the way. Show them how to start right now, I pray. Thoughts, ideas. Even right now, I know there's an idea coming and you're like, oh no, that's too hard. Well, the Word says that all things are possible in Jesus. Nothing is too hard for Him. Just take it to Him. Don't just, just, don't just wipe it away. Don't just go, nah, come on, come on. God has got us on a journey, my friends. It's a deep journey. This is not just a one minute wonder. This is a deep journey. And we're in a community of people who are hurt, hurting, hurting, hurting. And they need us, the reconcilers, <laughs> to be the reconcilers. In Jesus' Name. So I pray anointing of reconciliation over every minister in this room, every minister, every person who calls him a follower of Jesus, I pray reconciliation, reconciliation in Jesus' precious Name. I just want to say that if at the end of the service, if you need prayer for anything, you feel like, oh my gosh, this is, I actually need someone come alongside prayer. Please come up the front and we can pray specifically for you and help you move, move. Maybe you need prayer to move along to the moment of reconciliation. If you get what I mean, don't be ashamed. There's no shame and guilt in this place. If we can't be real as a body of Jesus, what the heck is the point? Because we're not here just to fake it. I'm not here to fake it. I'm here to get real and do some business because time is running out, my friends. And when none of us are getting any younger, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.